Just a quick programming note, what you are about to listen to is part two of our big season preview. This episode ended up being so big that we decided to split it into two episodes to post. Part one was a position-by-position preview of the 2020 Brewers. What follows in part two is a discussion of the division predictions and some listener questions. This was all recorded at once without planning to split it, so you'll hear a little bit of repetition in the intro and in the conclusion, but almost all of what is about to follow is brand new content. Please also remember to submit your prop bets to Kyle before the game starts on Friday. Go Brewers. Episode 147 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Linger, joined by Brad Ford, Paul Noonan, and Ryan Top. We're always sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know they're great beers like the flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. The next time you're in Madison, stop by their brewery on Kinsman Boulevard on the east side. You can also get a 20% discount on some Carbon 4 merch online just by listening to this podcast. Go to Carbon4.com, pick out a shirt, sweatshirt, hat, anything, and use our promo code MKE Tailgate when you check out. That's Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. You can also support our podcast network at patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Our ball and glove and above patrons get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and Brad. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible Packers mini pods throughout the Packers offseason. We're going to roll through some of our playoff predictions for the rest of the league, which admittedly I had to do some last minute research because it's been a while since we had baseball and I paid (laughs) attention to anything but the Brewers. So I had to kind of remind myself who was where. But basically what we want to do is kind of go through all the divisions, pick who we think is going to make the playoffs, pick our wildcard winners and who's in the World Series. So I guess let's start with the AL East. Ryan, what do you think about that division? Who's your team coming out of there? I mean, I think you have to go odds on with the Yankees. They are the best team in that division, but the Rays in a 60 game season could very easily supplant them. I think those are the the main two, though. Don't sleep completely on the Red Sox. I know it's unfashionable because of the way they handled their business in the offseason, but they have some things going for them. Except for Kurt Sale being out for the season with Tommy John. Yeah, they the pitching is not ideal, but (laughs) it's a 60 game (laughs) season. They got run and run. It's fine. Yeah, I definitely want to go with the Yankees here, uh, especially the rotation solid. You're looking at the most dominant bullpen in baseball with some of the best names yeah. and the deadliest lineup in baseball, too. It's hard to pick against them. Yep, I would I would love to do a sneaky pick for the Rays, who are a very intelligent team. But the Yankees are, are set up so well to play that game as well or better than anybody else that it's hard to go against them. Like they're they're a good short season and long season team. Their bullpen is dynamite that should play super well this year so uh, and i think the red sox will kind of suck so i just want to th- make that clear as well um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah i'll go yeah, I, i'm sorry to sweep it but i'll go yankees too they, they just are perfectly positioned for the short season well fast watch yet james well yeah i'll pick the yankees <laughs> <laughs> it sucks when the rich teams started getting smart and that's kind of what we're seeing with the yankees now they're kind of the runaway with boston fading back I think, yeah, you could make a point for the Rays, but it's they're just so deep and could be so... I think if there's a team that could, like, verge on 45 wins, it might be, like, the Yankees or the Dodgers. Like, they're just stacked top to bottom. They're 
no clear weaknesses. Don't don't we love the the idea of the top two markets playing the World Series against each other? That's what I look forward to. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll 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 get to that in a second because I'm trying to talk myself out of that, and hopefully I will in the next 15 minutes. But I don't know. <laughs> all right, so we're all kind of clean sweep for the Yankees in the East. How are we feeling about the Central? You know, the Twins were kind of the surprise team last year. Cleveland took a half step back. The White Sox added a lot this this off season, so. I guess, Paul, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the Central? I, I, I'm going to stick with the Twins, but I think it'll be close. I, I do think the White Sox made uh, made enough of a difference with their lineup that they'll be right in this. I, I don't know. I have a hard time picking them just because I don't like the way they run things, generally speaking. I, I don't think I, I think Cleveland's going to take too much of a step back, and the Royals and the Tigers are going to suck. Let's just leave them out of it. The Twins were dynamite last year. I think that they're super well run now. I, I like I like their pen, and uh, I don't know. I like them to hold off the White Sox, but but close. Uh, if anybody wants to argue for the White Sox, I will certainly listen to that. <laughs> anybody? <laughs> <laughs> give me uh, give me Cleveland. Really? Yep. All right. Yep. Give I me mean, Cleveland. Their starting pitching is per- damn good. It, it is damn good. Her. And it's a really well-run organization from... Oh, it has been for a long time. Just they never seem to get quite over the hump. <laughs> yeah, but they can win the Central. They just can't do That's anything great. else. That's like the Twins. The Twins can win the Central, but they can't do anything else. Yeah. They get uh, swept by the Yankees. Yeah, exactly. I think this is the type of crazy season that really leans into the type of power moves that the White Sox have made. I think okay. you're looking at a young core who really, when they get hot, has some of the best offensive talent yeah. in baseball. And I think you have a rotation that is super strong that can really carry you through a short season like this. I I think I see all the same flaws that Paul sees in their organization. But I think the craziness is just one of those things that really favors a 60-game spread where all they need to do is get hot to really get in the position to win this. So... It's funny to me because I wanted to say like one game makes a difference, but I hate that everyone else is saying that because we have so many divisions that come down to one game after 162 days. So it's like teams are like, well, we're going to take this more serious because losing a game really makes a difference. Like it makes a difference before you asshole. (laughs) It does. uh, Yeah. I white Sox. I tried to talk myself into the White Sox, but I'm actually going to go with Ryan and fall back to Cleveland. Okay. Um, I don't know if I would call it kind of like a dead cat bounce on on this era of Cleveland, but I think there's still enough there, especially with the pitching in a short season. I think I'm going to believe in that. I mean, they um, won 93 games last year. So. I know, and that's the thing, too. It's like they came off as disappointing last year just because the Twins took everybody by storm, but they were still a pretty solid team last year um and and i do legitimate mvps in the infield exactly so i think lindor's healthy and he'll be playing for whatever the hell contract he can get in the offseason he he has another season yeah he's got two he's got two years he's he's got two okay yeah but he's back healthy i think that makes a difference uh you did see cleveland kind of come on strong in the second half last year i just don't trust the twins necessarily i think the twins kind of have this history at least in my mind this could be entirely false, but in my mind, they always seem like the team that surprises you for a year and then the expectations come and they take a step back. So I don't know if I quite believe them yet. Josh Donaldson is a great signing. I had to remind myself that Josh Donaldson's a twin. Yep. So that that could, you know, mitigate some of that. And and that's a huge deal for them to sign somebody like that. But I, I still want to go with Cleveland yeah. on top here. Cleveland uh, was sort of the, the sabermetric darlings of that division for, well, a long time now. But the Twins, right. the twins who were a train wreck forever, 
really turned themselves around um, over the last few years and are they now did. one of the more sophisticated organizations too. It's so almost think- like they got rid of their manager who had his heels in the ground and refused to change with the rest of baseball and then yep. finally got on board. Yeah. We could have had him. <laughs> <laughs> right. So moving out West, obviously, I don't want you know, to this, this one. I know. I know. So COVID has kind of distracted everybody from the uh, fact that the Houston Astros are cheating bastards, but it's really hard to pick anybody else. Can any Brad, can you talk yourself into anybody but the Astros here? Give me Oakland. Yeah, They had a competitive season. They almost won the division last year. They have a strong uh, roster. They There's 10 uh, games out of the division last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They made a strong run for the division last year, Paul. <laughs> Maybe I'm giving them too much credit from the, them being on top of things back in 2000 and then kind of falling off being on top of things, now getting back on top of things. But I think that they have the type of team that can really turn the tables and be the type of organization who makes intelligent plays that end up getting them big wins. Obviously Houston can just bang and pitch their way to a victory. And that is probably what's going to happen. But for the fun pick, I'm going Oakland. Yeah. I'm give me Houston. I'm just going to go chalk here. (laughs) I think they're quietly still like, you know, probably the best team in, in the AL, even though the Yankees are there. I, I don't trust the Yankees pitching depth the Mm. way that i trust houston to do that in the rotation especially so they they don't have cole anymore they They don't have cole guys i know but they still they do have the two old guys and they also have uh was it McHugh coming back and they are just they are a player development machine now so i love McHugh, but he's just gonna step on the field and something's gonna fall off of him He's that pitcher. He he's the current like that pitcher is a Cy Young winner if he can keep that pinky attached to his hand. Cough, Brett Anderson. Cough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I just Paul, wish, hashtag wreck was better. I'd love to pick against Houston. I really would, but I think Oakland's taking a little bit of a step back, and the rest of it's just a train wreck. Like the yeah, the Angels. The Angels. Are... Angels added Rendon, but all right, but doesn't also... help their pitching at all. If, yeah, if, if, if he's if he puts up a thirty WAR this year, they'll be all set. Um, <laughs> it's just a bad division and there's not anybody there to challenge Houston. Like I'll be rooting every day for this to be the division of wackiness in a small sample size and Houston to be dethroned by random bad luck, but they're, they're awesome. So I'll pick Houston as well. The thing with the angels is they always seem to be the team who makes the like $300 million signing. And then it does nothing to make them better. And they actually go back like five wins. (laughs) Like they signed Albert pools and you're like, Oh, the angels are going to be, Nope. Nope. No, they're worse. They're worse than they were. That's weird. <laughs> Josh Hamilton, CJ Wilson. Yeah. Artie Moreno has uh, spent a lot of money badly out there. No wonder he fired his entire scouting department. <laughs> eh, anyway. Yeah. I can't go against Houston either. A weird part of me thought like if there were fans in the stands and, and they actually had to face some backlash going on the road, maybe there'd be some weird thing chance that they play more poorly than they're capable of but i think in a setting where it's basically just spring trading batting practice they're just going to mash their way through and it's hard to see anybody else uh overtaking them like the a's are good but again like paul said they finished 10 back last year as a really good team so i think houston still kind of runs away from that division uh who are we thinking for the two al wildcard picks 
Ryan. I'd love to get the the Angels in here, but I'm going to have to go pretty much chalk with Tampa Bay and with Minnesota. You'd love to get the Angels in there? <laughs> so, uh, Mike, I'd love to see Mike Trout, Mike, Trout yeah, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the postseason? Yes, please. Isn't Baseball Shohei, could really use that. off him throwing <laughs> again? <laughs> I didn't think so. I hadn't heard that. I know that they're planning on making him their Sunday starter. So he's just going to start once a week, which is smart. That's the way you should handle that. Yep. And then they can give him the the day off on you know Saturday and often on Mondays, I would suppose. So that the and then he'll well, DH the other days. Well, he's my uh, one of my key pitchers in a fantasy league that a friend who listens to the show demanded on drafting despite the season being delayed. Um, <laughs> so that's where I'm stuck with that. Uh, I, of course, mine just aren't going to be a surprise. So I'm going to get them out of the way. It's going to be Houston because I didn't pick them to win a division and me not <laughs> picking them to win the wild card would be idiotic. And then it's going to be I'll go Tampa over the Twins. All right. Uh, and I'll, I'll go the Rays, um, who are also very good, just happen to be in the division with the Yankees. And I'll, I'll take the, the White Sox. I think that their uh, their offseason will be enough to get them over the hump and just out, edge out Cleveland. So this is where. I think things will get weird in the standings is these wild card races are going to be just pure insanity. I think down to the last day of the season, you're going to maybe have three, four teams within a game or game and a half of each other. Lots of shuffling. We're going to have to learn tiebreakers. It's going to be really annoying, but (laughs) I'm going to go weird and go as bad as that division's been forever. I'm going to go Minnesota and the white Sox as the wild card teams, three playoff teams from the AL central. I can see that being realistic. I was really afraid the way you were setting that up that you were going to say Seattle and I was going to hang up this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> like, Texas Rangers, baby. So, no, like okay, we left reality. Yeah, the Royals and Tigers are atrocious and they do get to beat up on them a ton right. in that division. Exactly. Uh, my only problem with that is I do think the Rays have a similar benefit. I mean, sure. as long as as long as the Blue Jays actually get to play baseball this year, but uh, the Orioles are just Jays, as atrocious yeah. as anybody else. And so, if they were a little more balanced over on the AL side, outside of the Central, I would be on board with that. I just think, uh, I mean, it's going to be wacky. That's totally possible. yeah. And like to be totally clear, I'm not totally discounting the Rays. I just think, it, like I said, it's going to be a situation where there's three or four teams within a game of each other on the last day. Yeah. And some weird totally tiebreakers I mean, gonna small screw the, size, yeah. the wild yeah. card is very likely to have somebody undeserved in it i'm i'm, I'm exactly. rooting, for, rooting for that hardcore i, I want to see like the, the rangers in the wild card or some nonsense yes, like that absolutely. um I'm, I'm on board but uh predicting it is hard <laughs> the al east those teams when they play across and play the the nl east they don't get a break those like tough games those are tough those games are tough basically games, yeah. up and down even the marlins look like they're pretty they they put together a more competitive team than they've had in a while. Like they're not going to be good necessarily, but like if you want a team that could be, you know yeah. shock for like twenty six wins, yeah. yeah like yeah, exactly. if they went twenty six and thirty four, like don't be shocked. So I still feel like the central. I feel like all the competing teams are on such a similar standing that I feel like they have like the toughest matchup. I think the people, the strong teams in the East, have the easiest, which is probably why I should have gone with Houston because there's three really bad teams on each side. I just don't know if I could bet on the central grabbing two wild cards because of that. Like you got to come over, you got to play the Cardinals, the Cubs and the Brewers and the Reds. So you have three total bad teams, guaranteed bad teams in the central, in the two divisions. 
Yeah, let me be clear. I have no scientific method for this, so I just <laughs> randomly picked Sorry, there what, would one, be, so. what would be the most plausible, wacky solution to, yeah. to this. So if that, you're picking on science, yeah. you're, if you're picking on science, you're going to be wrong. So <laughs> mm, yeah, Right. Uh, okay, shifting gears to the National League, we kind of mentioned the NL East is going to be kind of a beast this year. Could be a total bloodbath. I could see a number of things happening here. I guess, Ryan... What's your take on the NL East? Who do you see coming out of it? Well, I have been picking other teams a lot and always being wrong about it. So I'm just going to pick the Braves because the Braves should probably be good. They have an insane amount of depth. They've turned into, again, a player development machine and have really, really good players sort of up and down the roster and should have a ton of pitching depth. So I think I'm going to go with the Braves for the NL East. Paul? This is a division where I think things could get wacky because I do think there's a little bit more balance here than a lot of others. I agree with everything Ryan said about the Braves. I do think they're probably the best team in that division by you know, a, a healthy amount. But it would, it's easy to even see a team like the Phillies jump up here. And also, I just want to quick um, on the NL East. Uh, for for us not being in the NL East, I hate a lot of these teams. <laughs> Atlanta for being the, the racist team that abandoned the city. Washington for being the team that abandoned Montreal and knocking us out last year. The Mets for being just run by an execrable Mets, owner yeah, yeah. and being the Mets in a big market team. So uh, I'm going to pick the Phillies in an upset here without a lot of reason behind it. Um, just it's a small sample. It's close. It's contracted. And uh, I, I think that this is might, might be one that gets a little bit wacky. So it's going to be my pick because it's a little bit more balanced than some of the other divisions outside of the NL Central. I, I think that, that I'm going to pick that one for a surprise. I think with the Braves having one of the more serious COVID issues of the other teams in that Freddie Freeman Freddy. was horribly affected by it to the point where he was, quote unquote, praying for his life. Yeah, Freddie Freeman almost died. He had 104.5 degree temperature. That kills lots of people. He is not going to be ready. He has said he's not going to be ready for the opener. And I think he's an important piece of the glue for that team and holding them up and making them, uh, you know, accountable for each day. They also have a Will Smith, their cure to their bullpen problems uh, is, I believe, still out and probably won't be ready for opening day. So I think they're going to start off weak, which is going to open the door for the signings the Phillies have made to finally benefit them. And I don't think Harper was as bad as he was. He came in the second half and had Agreed. a pretty good year. And I think he's he's and I don't think that what is it? Keese? He's Healy. What's his name at first base? Uh, They're really good player at first base. It's going to also be <laughs> Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins. Hoskins. God, uh, Reese Hoskins. Uh, carry him on fantasy every year. It's fine. Uh, Reese Hoskins. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last year. Among that, they the, a lot of the role players actually came into their own and helped them perform very well. They have Didi Gregorius now along with a pretty okay pitching staff and bullpen, I think they're in a good position to uh, take the East this year. So I'm going with them. Yeah, this is this is tricky. I think given everything going on, I I was thinking maybe the Braves, but the, the COVID impacts are, as you guys mentioned, not, not light to say the least. They've probably been hit harder than anybody else. And even if they get those guys back at some point, who knows it, it and it's such a competitive division that you know those one or two weeks could make a big difference so i'm gonna default to washington in the nl east it's just hard to get past that starting rotation which is still probably the best in baseball i think pitching's gonna win in this short stretch here 
not to fall on a cliche and go all postseason on it, but I, I just can't get past their starting rotation, um, do little in the bullpen. And yeah, they lost Rendon, but uh, y- you know, they're Juan Soto, I believe in as like a next big superstar in the league kind of deal. I think signing Eric Thames proved to be very smart considering they can just slot him in at DH and not worry about that. I think they're going to edge out everybody else in the, in the East. The team I really wanted to pick here was the Mets because they have sneakily assembled an actually really good team. The The question Pakoda is, loves the Mets. Pakoda, do. Loves Pakoda the Mets. does love the Mets. Yeah. But the, the question is the depth of the pitching staff. Like they have frontliners with anybody with DeGrom and uh, Stroman up at the top but like will they have the pitching depth that they need to be able to to get through because you know obviously Syndergaard's out for the year and all that so I don't know but the Mets that lineup could be scary good they really benefit from the Mm -hmm. the DH too especially because it looks like we might see the return of uh Suspettis yeah so yeah yeah I think uh Ioannis being able to hide in the DH and stay healthy is huge for them and they have a pretty good defensive outfield. They have two young outfielders who are coming on and starting to become talented forces. But I think, like, I don't know. I do get excited about thinking about Juan Soto versus uh, Ronald Acuna in that div- Acuna in that division for a long time. Yeah. Um, I it's really a beat 'em up division, and the I don't give the Marlins as much credit as you guys do. I think they're trying to do that scrap heat thing that the Brewers did successfully in 2017, but they're doing it worse. <laughs> so I don't believe in them. I mean, Garrett Cooper might be their DH this year. So yeah. uh, no, Jesus Aguilar is going to be their oh, DH Jesus this Agu- year. I forgot. I forgot. They're, they assembled. They literally assembled like the 2017 Brewers. So that's that's great. I thought I did see Monty Harrison might make the opening day roster though. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's interesting. And he's um, hit quite a few like bombs in that park during uh, their scrimmages, which have been really fun to watch. No, nah, I still uh, love Monty Harrison. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would prefer to have Christian Yelich, but Monty Harrison's going to be fun <laughs> for them. Yeah, I think uh, Monty Harrison's the one one of those guys who is uh, going to be fun, but isn't going to be the difference maker you ever expect him to be. But sure. they definitely have three starting players now from that trade in Isam Diaz, who I think is an underrated loss, and Jordan Yamamoto, who I think is the most underrated y- loss, I think will be a, a pretty solid uh, starter for years to come. Uh, no, nothing like special, but I've always called them the Michael Brantley of that trade, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that trade is going to end up turning out better for the Marlins, and I think a lot of people realize just but on the basis of Brinson flaming out. But to get in, who should be a two-time MVP, a guy who has carried the team to uh, right. playoffs, and a guy who is now the fran- face of the franchise, I don't think any Brewer fan would go back and undo that, that trade. Of course. So let's skip over the NL Central for now. We'll do that for last. But heading out west, I think we've got another situation like we had in the AL where does anybody dare pick against the Dodgers here? Nope. Speak nope. up if you do. No. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was quick. Any any other thoughts on this division here? Do you do any of you think maybe San Diego is interesting as maybe a fringe wildcard team here or any other teams kind of pique your interest or is it just kind of the Dodgers run away and... Arizona's fine, but yeah. not good enough. So Arizona's been fine for 25 years, exactly. basically. Yeah, it, it's the Dodgers division. I think everybody kind of expects them to steamroll through everything. If a team's going to jump up and surprise, 
get, you know, the Padres are a team that could jump up and surprise and be really, really good, like maybe a little bit ahead of what people thought. Yeah. But, you know, I still think that like the odds on like Arizona is a little bit better of a team. They've been really well run. I mean, they have they have done something that, you know, even as great as David Stearns has been, they have managed to both kind of compete though not to the level the Brewers have, obviously. But they've also, they now have one of the top farm systems in baseball. They've managed mm-hmm. to do this and do both at the same time, and it's wild. So they are really, really well run. I think the Diamondbacks are going to do poorly, and I think Robbie Ray might be one of the acquisitions to watch for the Brewers. They've been trying mm-hmm. to get him for a couple seasons now. Uh, yeah. He only will have a month left of control, so they won't have to pay much for him, but I think the Diamondbacks will want to, especially with the qualifying offer, potentially being a, more of a hindrance with team budgets as they're going to try to cut money in the past. I think they're going to want to cut bait and get anything they can, and I think Robbie Ray, because of his connection to David Stearns in the past, is a guy to watch for that will come to the Milwaukee, and I think that's the only other thing worth watching in the West, because I think the Dodgers are going to be so dominant that they're going to make it difficult for anyone else to compete. The Padres are really good. And I think they're the type of team who can be competitive if they have a 162 season and you give that time, they have that time for the ups and downs of that young talent, Mm -hmm. but because they don't have that and they're going to be competing against the toughest team in the national league and against some, I, I think the other teams are just annoying, right? Like the Diamondbacks have talent <laughs> yeah. and can be annoying and like cost you wins. The Dime or the uh, Rockies have talent and can be annoying and cost you wins. So the Giants, we've seen them get hot and cost the Brewers wins because screw them and Madison Bumgarner, who dates Madison Bumgarner and now is dating Madison Bumgarner on the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I think this is the type of division where things would be more interesting if you had the 162 but because you don't the dodgers are just going to hammer their way through everyone else and embarrass them 45 and 15 all the way through and yeah i think they're more likely to be 45 wins than the yankees like i think the yankees actually have some tough opposition in the east in the east where dodgers are just devastatingly well built i mean they have two cy young contenders in the rotation and, and then three guys in there who could be the number one on any other team. They have a great bullpen, although Kenley is falling off. They have ways to replace him. They have insane depth throughout their farm system where they don't need to go and acquire anything. I, although I am hoping for the five and 25 start that ends up having them trade Mookie for a month. <laughs> I, I just, there's no way it's not the Dodgers. Yeah. Like I said, I have a soft spot for the Padres, but if if there's another team other than the Cardinals that would have liked to know the DH would have been a thing, <laughs> like sooner, I think they probably would be it. They wouldn't have dealt Fran Reyes away, or they would have kept Hunter Red Pro or something. But yeah, that division is is Dodgers all the way. I guess uh, quickly here, who are your National League wild card? And I think there's might be more possibilities to play with here than the AL. So Paul. What are your wildcard teams? So I'm going to do what you did, except in the National League. And I'm actually going to go with a, a sweep on the East. Okay. They're, they have a ton of good teams. They do have tough rivalry matchups with the AL East and the Yankees and Rays over there. But they also get to play the Blue Jays and Orioles. And I do think that they're they're stacked up nicely. I, the Marlins, I still think, kind of suck, even though they're building a little bit better. So I will go with both. Oh, like, shoot. Wow. Yeah, so, no, go for the wild card. And, and they're so stacked, I realize so. we skipped over the central, but whatever. Well, uh, well we do it last. And, and, and yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. people probably, unfortunately, foreshadow a bit. But. 
I'll take the Braves. I do think they're the best team out there. And I will actually take the Mets and uh, go with a surprise Washington missing the playoffs, even though they won the World Series last year. So I'll take those three of the four of those making the playoffs. The Braves, number one, and the Brewers, number two. Okay. Give me the all right. Give me the Mets and the Padres. I think that the Padres could really jump up and they get to beat up on the Rangers, the Mariners. The Giants, the Rockies, like there's some softness to that schedule out there. But I, I do think the Mets are going to be really pretty good, too. Yeah, so I thought about going Padres. I think that that division itself is just as kind of annoyingly balanced. Like the, the Diamondbacks aren't bad. They're they're OK. They'll they'll stop down a little bit. I don't think the Giants are terrible. Like there's not there's not a team to just beat the heck out of for the Padres in there. Maybe the Rockies, but uh that's my the only my only hesitation with with picking them to make the wild card. Otherwise, I do like how they're set up with the uh, the West um, on the other side. I don't even think the Rockies are as bad as we're saying. Yeah, I they're think, okay. the, issue, I think the issue was they had a lot of injuries in their rotation and underperformance in the yeah. rotation, like the Brewers did last year, which ended up costing them a lot of wins. But in terms of like talent and on paper talent, they're pretty high up there. Especially you're looking at Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman uh, mm-hmm. leading that lineup. Those are two of the better hitters in the NL. Nolan Arenado. Oh yeah, he's still there. Uh, oh yeah, oh, no one Arenado still oh, is yeah. a guy. <laughs> For some reason, I had it in my head that they traded him because that was like the ongoing storyline yeah. of the off season. Yeah. It was Nolan Arenado is gone. Yeah. He's likely going to replace. Uh, wasn't he going to go to uh, Washington? Was the big rumor yep. to replace Rendon? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh no, they was St. Louis too. Uh, it was going to be Chris oh, Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, the Rockies though. I think interesting enough is is the uh, late signing of Matt Kemp. Not that Matt Kemp's any good, but put him in Coors Field as a DH for thirty games. I don't know. Maybe you get some pop out of him. It's weird. He seems to be like good every two seasons. Like he, yeah. he's good, and then there's two seasons where he's just garbage. Although yeah. he's getting too old to really like make that a thing anymore. If there's right. anywhere he's going to be good, still it will be Coors. All right. Are we on to my wild card picks now? Did everybody else go? I forget. Yep. Yep, okay. You. Paul kind of stole my thunder. I'm going all eight and all east on this too. Uh, since I didn't pick the Braves for the division, I think they'll still grab one of the two wild card spots. And uh, some slight personal bias, I'll take the Mets for the second wild card too. I went to college in New York. I know a lot of Mets fans <laughs> want to make them happy, but no, I, I've got a mild soft spot for the Mets just because, dude, if they were owned by anybody else, they'd be better off. And then like Alex then we, Rodriguez. so yeah i'll go braves and mets in what i think is going to be a super super competitive wild card race and that actually kind of segues nicely into the nl central talk because i think that kind of makes this one of the more interesting division races in all of baseball and not just because we're biased because we follow the brewers it's uh you look at all the projections and it's basically four teams clustered around what 30 or 31 wins so I guess moment of truth. Who are we picking to win the NL Central? Uh, I actually, I'm going to pick the Brewers. Um, at at the risk of being a homer, I I think that all the other major contenders have sort of short season flaws. Um, I don't like the Cubs bullpen. I think that'll hurt them um, over the course of the season. It's uh, they just didn't do anything in the off season uh, except sign Hernan and um, one other Brewer, right? Kipnis. Um, <laughs> and Jeff on Jason Kipnis Jason and Kipnis Jeremy Jeffers. Jeffers. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I, 
their managing their managing situation we don't really know about. They haven't they, they have David Ross stepping in this year. Um, I, if Madden was still managing, I would have a even easier time picking them to not win it. But uh, I, I have very little faith in them suddenly waking up and becoming a super well-run team on the field. Offense is good. Don't like their pitching in a short season. Cardinals are opposite. Um, I don't like their lineup. I They have great starting pitching. They have a good bullpen. Um, so they can play that game a little bit. But I think that they've fallen behind a little bit and they're not going to hit enough. Um, the Brewers uh, have I think, the best manager for this situation. They have a lineup that it should be great offensively in terms of mixing and matching, playing platoon splits. Um, and they're starting pitching. I'm sure most pundits look at that as a, a big weakness on the team. And that's, I think, fair. But I think it's better than they're given credit for. And the fact that their bullpen should be very good will make up for a lot of that, as it always has, even in long seasons, and will especially this season. So um, the Reds, I think, are a little bit of a wild card. They had all those free agent signings. They're a little bit uh, white sake in that in that uh, yeah um so <laughs> if they jumped up and surprised people it wouldn't surprise me that much i think it'll be a very compressed division i think that the, all four of those teams are pretty good but i think the brewers eke it out just on on guile and being set up well for this particular kind of season right <sighs> this is really really hard and it's i hate to do it i have this sinking terrible feeling that the david ross thing is going to work out really well for them and that I think people really did sleep on the Cubs just generally in the offseason in terms of because they didn't do anything. So they they fall into this like, oh, they didn't do anything to improve. So they must be bad. There's still so much talent in that organization and, and on that squad. Yes, the bullpen is the big concern, but I sort of think they're going to they're going to find ways to get around that and use more of a pitching depth approach to to make that OK. And I have the the Cubs winning by a game, uh, 33 wins brewers at 32 Cincinnati at 31, the Cardinals at 29. And I echo completely what Paul said there with the Cardinals that I, they really did not have a good off season. The way that that played out works terribly for what has happened since. Yeah. So, and then I think Pittsburgh is actually going to be better than people think. I think there's more there than, maybe people realize and i'm i'm gonna give them 26 wins so uh, they couldn't they couldn't be worse than i think so you're probably right <laughs> all right brad what's your your nl central pick i i'm going with the cubs there's just something about kyle schorber at vh that scares me i think that a full year of healthy bryant is something to be wary of and there there's just a lot in that offense that that really in in a field that just plays almost like Coors Park unintentionally that I don't like. I think Kimbrell is going to be better than he was last year. I don't think he can be much worse. Yeah, right. Um, they did lose a, bull, a pretty strong bullpen piece for them, but I think they just managed to survive it by over-reliance on their good guys and just pitching them to death. I think that a manager situation is good for them, but I don't think it's the difference maker Craig Council is. I just think they can slam their way to the top and kind of screw the Brewers out of their uh, out of the division. I have them at 34, Milwaukee at 32, Cincinnati at 29, the Cardinals at 27, and Pittsburgh at 19. Okay. For me, it really I think maybe no surprise now listening to everybody else's answers, but I think it does come down to the Cubs and the Brewers for me. Like you guys mentioned, the Cardinals just have so many problems uh whether it was the lineup or what have you. And then 
they just lost Jordan Hicks, who decided he's going to opt out this year because he's high risk diabetic and coming off Tommy John surgery. So they missed that big piece out of their bullpen, which is a pretty significant blow for them. So I kind of crossed them off the list right away. We played, are the Cincinnati Reds any good all off season? And I still don't know <laughs> if I know the answer to that. Uh, they've, they've definitely got the pieces, right? But I, I, I just this is them. one of those things. This is one of those things where I, I I don't know. I don't know if sixty games is enough to get all those new pieces to gel. Yeah, don't you see them as like the long haul team? Like they're the team where it's like they can sustain being okay long enough to like eke in. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I can see them booming or busting a lot. Actually, like, that's yeah, what I, I was thinking I, too. If you were going to pick a team a in the division it. to win forty, I think they're the team that could like potentially do that. Like yeah. they have the chance they to could do get that. Hot, yeah. I guess a lot of that comes down to what I think Bauer does and who the hell knows, you know, like he, <laughs> his, his performance has been, he should be a lot better than he is. And they added Wade Miley. And he, so, you know, the, like the pieces and improvements are there. I just don't know if 60 games is enough for that to kind of coalesce, but to your guys's point too, if anyone's got the talent to get hot, it's probably them. Uh, so I kind of just defaulted to the Brewers or the Cubs and, enough question marks, I guess, about David Ross's, how he's going to manage that team, how they're going to bounce back from a couple of disappointing years, not knowing if Craig Kimbrell's any good or if he's just toast. So, and and a lot of Paul's points are kind of where I was going with the Brewers too. If any team is kind of built and used to doing this 60 game stretch, I think it's the Brewers. We spent an hour talking about the depth on this team, which I think the depth for the Brewers is a bit better than the Cubs. And I would give the managing edge to Craig Council. So I I think it's still going to be really close. I don't see anybody getting to the 35 win mark, honestly. Uh, I think maybe the Brewers win with 33, Cubs at 32 or 31, and then he kind of just knock a win off all the way down to. I, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's going to be such a cluster uh, yeah. outside of the Pirates probably finishing in last place. But even then, you know, maybe they don't finish further than five or six games out of first place. I don't know. Like, it's it's going to be a very tightly packed division. And I forgot to give totals, but I'll, I'll actually say the Brewers getting over 35. I'll, I'll put them right at 35. I'll go Cubs at 33, Reds 32, Cardinals right at 500, and Pittsburgh down on, like, 21. <laughs> go 21. Sure. Wins got wins gotta come from somewhere, right? I actually <laughs> went lower than you on Pittsburgh. Weird. Whatever. I, who cares? Nineteen fifteen. Round the limit. Ten eight. <laughs> uh so we we did all the playoff picks and uh we've got a Patreon question that is a really interesting question that I think we're gonna be confronted with as we get to kind of the halfway point of those sixty games. Philip Schumacher wants to know, given the shortened season, how long will it take teams to be considered, quote, out of the race if they start off cold? So I know Brad mentioned his his fantasy of the Dodgers going 5-25 and 25 and having to trade Mookie bets and all that stuff. But I guess realistically, in a small sample, how quick will teams be to kind of sell things off? I think it depends on how much they have to benefit by selling them off, right? Like if a team like the Diamondbacks that I mentioned before, have Robbie Ray. I think almost all qualifying offers are going to be accepted this year because it's going to be such a weird offseason as everyone cries poor losses from COVID. So I don't think the Diamondbacks view having another $19 million pitcher on their roster as a benefit. So they'd rather get at least something in return 
than nothing and maybe sign him again in free agency and play it that way. So I think it all depends. It's going to be a team by team basis. So if you're 10 games, you know, behind the mark, you are going and you're looking at your future expectations and you're like, we're going to have to pay this guy. And I'm a cheap bastard because I own an MLB team. I'm actually going to sell him. And then the GM has to go out and deal that guy to acquiesce the owner. I think it's going to be much more financially based than we've seen in the past, which yeah, we've I, seen a lot of financially based trades. I agree with you on trades. that completely. So I think it's going to be more about how teams are cutting, preparing for this off season than it is about teams necessarily being 10 and 20 at the trade deadline. Yeah. One of the things about a small sample size season is yeah, people will be inclined to, to see a big early deficit as being out of it, but that's really not true um, just because of the nature of, of baseball streakiness and this being a very small sample size season, teams will be able to bounce back better too. Like a, a month maybe kills you more, but that the next month may fix everything immediately. So I think Brad's right. Like it's going to be driven by finances. If you have a guy that you think you should be selling and you have an excuse to sell him, that's what'll happen. But don't even be surprised if teams that are sellers nominally, you know, catch a lucky streak and bounce back and get back into things. It, it's, it's a, the other thing about this is adding people is not going to help you that much. And um, selling people off is not going to hurt you that much. It, this is, there's a ton of luck that's going to be involved. And it's entirely possible that you'll see a big seller suddenly catch fire and the national media be like, oh, those guys were bad for chemistry or some garbage like that. You're really not out of it till the last month of the season just because, you know, a random 10 game streak will get you right back into things this season, almost certainly until until the very end. Yeah, someone's going to start like one in five and everybody like a, a legitimately good team, a team that was expected to be in the race. And everybody is going to push the panic button and go nuts on it, especially like we're talking about the fan side of things and like the media side, not necessarily the front offices, whatever. But yes, I totally agree with everything you guys said about those will be used as excuses to do what kind of owners wanted to do anyway, which, you know, is trimming payroll and sending it out to someplace else. So it'll just sort of depend on, on where teams end up in the in the short run more from a PR perspective than from a actual tactical position. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I think another thing to watch out for too is whether guys who are already iffy on playing this year, if their teams get off to a slow start, do they just opt out and walk walk away in the middle of the year? I mean that that would be their right. They could do that, but that I thought could. You, <laughs> I thought you were I saying mean, like, do teams trade them and nah. mitigate the risk? And then I was like, Mike Trout getting traded after like no. two weeks of bad angels. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, there are, there are enough players out there who are already kind of iffy on playing. Where yeah. if the team stinks after three and a half weeks, so they just say, "Screw it, I'm going home." I mean, they they have that right. Yeah. Playing out and the string gonna, is going to be a gonna, weird thing this year. Yeah, so I think that'll affect playoff races too. And that'll kind of contribute to maybe the wonky results that we'll see kind of looping back to our picks before we get to our other Patreon questions, I guess your guys world series picks. Uh, if we have a world series this year, if <laughs> I want to go that route, Ryan. Oh, let's see. I hadn't even really thought of this. Uh, Dodgers over Yankees in a, <laughs> the standard. Yeah. All right. That's, well, that's no fun. Playoffs are random nonsense. So they are. I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll go with Twins over Brewers in a crushing short season defeat. Ah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go no World Series, but I'll still put teams on just because that's less fun than being the curmudgeon that I am in the real world. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go Rays over Dodgers. <laughs> 
man. The Dodgers can't even catch a break in a short season. No, they're doomed to constantly. They are like suffering through hell. Like they uh, haven't won a World who, Series since I was born, so I'm going to take responsibility for that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I tend to pick Yankees over Dodgers every year, and that never seems to work out. So, in the spirit of <laughs> weird things happening both in the postseason and this year, I will go something stupid, picking on the fly, Mets over Astros. Boom. All right, that's fun. <laughs> I just think uh, it, would, it would be a very brewer thing to do to make the World Series in and a then weird lose. year that doesn't count and then lose, meaning that you you know, you can't claim you yeah. won it even in the weird year, but it's not even really fun to say like, well, we made the World Series in the weird year, but also didn't win it. Like right. we, what's the banner even look like for that? It, uh, <laughs> half, that's half, what we're I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to me, the Dodgers are the American Prometheus and that their like liver is going to keep growing back and then being pecked out by crows. And they're going to keep losing the world series. Like they're destined to continue going to the world series and losing for and forever. Losing. Yeah. It would be a very brewers thing though, to make mm-hmm. it and then lose. And it, you know, maybe I should make the pick like Cleveland over the brewers, <laughs> not to, backtrack i'll stick with my stupid prediction but I, like cleveland over the brewers would be something really weird like one team like cleveland finally wins the world series but did they really okay. and then uh the brewers make it and get close and then they lose the weird one yeah the think- brewers are gonna win this year and it's gonna be the worst because the cubs won in 2016 or, or uh, right and you can't like every cubs fan is gonna be like we won the real one we won the real one you're gonna be like god damn as we've talked yep. about, it'd be infinitely more fun if the Cubs finally broke the streak with the fluky World Series. <laughs> and the only legitimate World Series title is if the Brewers win. So moving on, <laughs> we do have a few more questions. So we want to get to those. PJ Wessels on Patreon asking, who do we hope will have a surprise year, either bounce back or just above average expectations? Do you think anyone will? So Ryan, go take it first. Give me Justin Smoke. Because then I can I can uh, really lord <laughs> it over Paul. Space, yeah. yeah, I can okay, lord it over yeah. Paul. And I did sort of stake out that position early on. Like Justin Smoke is a good bounce back candidate just because he had a weirdly flukishly down year where his performance shouldn't have been as bad as it was last year. It was weird. Paul, uh, I, I don't I don't know if Brock Holt's really a bounce back because he was okay last year. So I'm not really. Let's see who's going to be a surprise and. All the guys I like, like we're actually coming off are coming off good seasons. Maybe I should actually go reevaluate my priors for that reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might just be buying too much into that. God, I don't know. I, you know what? I'll take. Uh, it's not really a true bounce back, but I'll take Braun to be a monster. You know, he, he was he was he was pretty good last year. Not, not bad, but uh, I think with the DH available, that he'll stay healthier, and as a result, he'll have something like MVP level Braun offensive numbers. That's so uh, I'll pick I'll pick that. That's spicy. You- he won't have to worry about managing his load over uh, 162 games, right? He can just kind of go all out for 60. That's exactly. kind of interesting. Yeah, Brad? Why aren't you all picking Shelby Miller? Uh, the hero of the season. <laughs> Duh. Future Shelby. Shelby. Young winner. No, I'm going to go no? uh, a guy we already talked about in David Phelps. Uh, coming Ooh. off a pretty awful season, eh. uh, dealing oh. with injury. Yeah, I think for me, I just really want Orlando Arceus thing to be real and I don't know <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of the scrimmages so I can't tell if he's still flailing oh at stuff God. in the dirt the first one was so <laughs> bad both at bats were just 
Like you were like, you got worse, Arcia. Like you look good in spring training. And That's you my fear. Got worse than last season. That's my you fear were... is that he figured something out in March and then forgot it over four months. And... <laughs> like the pitch, the coaches were telling them like really test him and just roll this one in, see if he swings. And he still was. He was still swinging. He didn't yeah. care where that ball went. So I want I want it to be Arcia, but I don't know. I no, just no. I think you mentioned Jed Jerko could get hot and hit. You know, he's had 20 home run power in the past. I think whoever ends up with that third base spot will probably be your breakout candidate because they're just going to play the hot hand. So kind of a cop-out answer, but that's that's the way I'm going. Another question from Michael Heitkamp. He said, given the short season and the DH, how much first base do you think Braun will actually play? So we kind of touched on this maybe in one of our prop bets, but, you know, does Kira's elbow or anything affect i guess paul how much dh you think Braun's gonna play as opposed to first base um i think they'll cycle a lot of people in and out of there but i think he'll actually play a fair amount of first base because they will need that dh spot to rest other people including hira so uh, ha- maybe half the time might be a little too much because there, there is smoke and lomo to rotate through there too but uh, I, I bet i'll see like a third of the time or, or a little bit more than that um over there to keep this bat in the lineup i bet it'll be very little very, very little. I, I think maybe I wouldn't be shocked if it was like literally none because he just when he wasn't at DH, he was in the outfield or off. I have said earlier in the podcast that if Keston here is on the DH, I think Braun actually sees the predominant amount of time at first because he'd rather get Garcia in regularly. And yeah. Braun is the better hitter than Smoke by and large. So I think if Hira needs to be at the DH, quite a bit. I think if Hira doesn't need to be at the DH, I'm guessing 10 games. Okay. Another Patreon question from Darren Jones. This could kind of go with the surprise year question here, but there's been a lot made about Ben Gamble's apparent new swing change. So Darren's asking, are you buying or selling Ben Gamble's swing change leading to increased production? So, you know, this is sort of like a spring trading where we get a swing change story. So I guess, Paul, are you buying more power for Ben Gamble? So I, I, I'm always selling on that on that story um, until I see it. But it's not impossible. He's, he's not that old. He, you know, he's, he's shown some flashes with the bat. I just don't think he's got good natural talent behind him. That's not fair. Ben Gamble's a fine hitter. But, <laughs> he, you know, he's not like a monstrous power guy. He already makes a decent amount of contact. If he elevates the ball a little bit more, he'll he might get some gains out of it, but I don't think they'll be like super outstanding gains. So I'm selling on that, but I hope it's true. Brad, yeah, I think it's more of a result of it being pitchers working on their rotation and it being Miller Park. You know, like I think it's more Rizark of the training type uh, situation. Also, if it is real, do we see it? Yeah, like he <laughs> he's a situational pinch hitter this season and a defensive replacement. You have the outfield is stacked with four potentially all-star talents. Good point, too. By the way, also a weird guy, like reverse platoon spits for his career. He hits lefties better than righties. So, like, that's always a weird swing to deal with in the first place when you've got a guy like that. Yeah, so I just, I, I can't buy it because I don't think he'll get to use it regardless. Like, even if it was real, who are they taking out of the lineup to get Ben Gamble in? That's a good point. That's yeah, where I was going to go with it is I just don't see him in a log jam here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see him getting the playing time to have a true breakout though. You know, injuries or illness could potentially for a while we were even throw that into. Yeah. For a while yeah. we were even talking about Ben Gamble, maybe 
starting the year in AAA or being on the reserve roster just because there's not a whole lot of outfield at-bats to go around. So it'll be kind of interesting to see. One last Twitter question. Uh, Justin Sane said in this one that Paul really likes, so I'll let him take it first. But Justin's asking, without fans, will Miller Park have the roof closed every game to make sure Ryan Braun can see the ball properly? So I, I love this question because without fans there, they can, I, I want to know what the rules are. Like, do they have to keep it closed? Like they kind of do in the playoffs. Are they allowed to treat it like there's fans there and open it randomly? But um, it could have a big impact on how Miller Park plays as an offensive stadium. If they close the roof every game, it's a much better offensive environment than it is um, when it's open. Like it's night, night and day is a stupid way to phrase that. But, but uh, you know, if they have, if they have day games with the roof open, those shadows are just murder. Like it's so hard to hit in there with the cross hatched windows. They only have six day games at home on the, on the roster all year anyway. And they can completely mitigate the, uh, the, the bad offensive environment if they close the, the roof up for those. So, uh, I think they will if they're allowed to and and have a more consistent environment. I don't think anybody likes playing day games at Miller Park with the roof open. I think it's a pain in the ass. So um, if they're allowed to, I think they'll do that and the place will play up. Um, well, roof has always been their discretion, hasn't it? Because I think the one rule is you can only change its status once in a game. So if it, if you start with it open and rain comes in, you close it, you well, have to leave it closed. It's their discretion, but it's it's open for the people when it's nice out, you know? Right, it, right. They, they could have <laughs> a perfectly nice day this year and close it for for an offensive advantage. I was just talking about the rule side of it. Yeah. Like, you, you before, like, it wasn't just, like, open and closed, like... Yeah, MLB told them that they couldn't do that half open, half closed thing because that's what they did for, like, a day game or something, and the Giants complained, I think it was, like where they they uh, closed the first base side of the roof so that the shadows would be consistently over home plate instead of yep. like moving throughout the game. So right. they were told they couldn't do that anymore. So there's some sort of weird rule about that stuff. But yeah, it it'll be weird to see because the players don't necessarily mind playing in hot, humid weather like that doesn't necessarily bother them so much. So they could end up closing get the roof the, a lot and get the spits going as you said a, yeah yep. yeah and then i'm looking forward to uh andy Schaff complaining about it so that'll be fun very like, much roof abuse yeah andy will complain about it even though he's not going to the games so right. yeah that'll be a very anything <laughs> that's so that's all the questions we have for this week if a reminder if you do have something you want us to talk about we put out a call for questions every week on our twitter account that's at mke tailgate just reply to that tweet every week with your questions, or you can follow each of us on Twitter individually and send us questions. Ryan is at RD top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. Brad is at brew crew blue. And I'm at James L that's James with a Y and a reminder. There's still time to sign up for our annual prop bets contest. We tweeted out that link a, a couple days ago. We kind of tweeted out pretty regularly. So if you missed it, just be on the lookout for that. You can also find that link pretty prominently on our Twitter account. Or we'll put this in the episode description too. So you have until the first pitch on opening day to get those questions or those answers to those questions in. Please do sign up if you haven't yet. It's a lot of fun. You can also go back and listen to the episode to hear our answers on those as well. If you enjoy listening to us, you can help support the podcast by becoming a patron. You heard a lot of those Patreon questions there. You get question priority when you do sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. And we will make sure those questions get on the air when we do send out those call for questions. Also, 
if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please do leave us a review to help other people find us as well. So this has kind of been a marathon episode, so we'll wrap it up here. Hopefully we do have baseball to talk about the next time we meet. Opening day scheduled for Wrigley on Friday. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Stay well, and we will see you next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.